Welcome to Greenspeak. I'm your host, Michael Saunders. Greenspeak is a show where we interview Maine's cannabis consumers and cannabis owners to highlight the medical benefits of cannabis, as well as the wonderful work our providers are doing to meet the needs of the community here in Maine. On today's show, we talk to Taj Mahal, a.k.a. Aaron Sanders from the Wellness Connection of Maine. Taj functions as the wholesale business development manager for the largest dispensary chain in Maine. On this episode, we learn a bit about Taj's early life, his journey to Maine, and a bit about how he came to land the job at the Wellness Connection. We dive also into topics like cannabis normalization, uh, the Wellness Connection's position in the cannabis community here in Maine, and where they might be headed, at least with Taj's role. Please enjoy the show. All right, we are here at the Wellness Connection of Maine on Congress Street with my good buddy Taj. Taj, say what's up. Hey, what's up, everybody? <laughs> All right, man, let's get into it. Uh, so, you and I know each other. How do we? How do we know each other? We go back a little ways. We go back a little ways. I I don't know the exact moment, but I know that um, it started off like much. Every other night that it would start off where uh, I would get out of work because I used to work at DeMillo's on the water and uh, I was a busboy back then. This is, I think, 2015. Um, mm-hmm. And then we'd get out and you'd go to Jay's Oyster Bar and you have your shift drink. And then after that, you go to the pub because it was across the street. Yeah. And, uh, and then we kind of had all the same mutual friends. I mean, um, uh, one of our good buddies, Forrest, is uh, kind of a mutual friend. So I think you were hanging out with Forrest, and I was hanging out with Forrest, and then uh, we started hanging out. But worlds collided. What we used to do, if you remember, <laughs> is we would go on. So Forrest had a boat on the pier, oh, and yeah. so after the bars closed, and this was like a big thing that like people would do is they'd, Tons. they'd go to boats or they go to their apartments, you know, the after party or whatnot, and they play guitar and they all smoke pot because yep. you can't consume. You know, outside anywhere, so you'd have to go back home, we'd go back to your little sp- spot, and that's what we do. We'd play music and we we consume, and uh, and that's how we became friends, I believe. Yeah. Huh. No, that that was those were great times. Uh, I'm pretty. Does he still have that little slip down there? He, I, I don't think he has no. a slip. Um, I don't even know. That guy's doing million millions of things. I think that, he's got a farm now. Those are epic. Those were epic times for sure. Yeah. <laughs> Lots of great memories on Forrest, Forrest Boat. Forrest, if you're listening, homie, uh, we, we love you, bro. Yeah, bro. <laughs> uh, yeah, so um, you are native. Are you native to Maine? Uh, I mean, you grew up here in Maine? I grew up here in Maine. So I was yeah. born in India, adopted oh, when I was three years old, uh, and I've lived in Maine ever since. Yeah. So I'm 35 now, so 32 years is yeah. pretty long. You've Uh-oh. lived in Maine longer than I have. Yeah. it's <laughs> awesome, dude. I grew up uh, in Mount Vernon, which is in the Belgrade area, just outside of Augusta. Um, I went to school at Orno, uh, lived, you know, primarily after that in Portland, so yeah. quite a manner. That's awesome, dude. And how did you, how did you get from India to, to the United States? Like, how did that, do you even know, or? Well, I mean... I was given up for adoption at a much younger age than that, and I was in an orphanage, um, and so my parents just wanted to adopt somebody from India. My parents are white, and they're also Mainers, um, and they just wanted to adopt somebody from India, uh, and then so they just ended up picking me. 
it wasn't a uh, one in a million. One in a million. One in a billion. I think. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll keep that title. I'll take the title. <laughs> One in a billion. I love I'll it. take the title. Yeah. Nice. So that's yeah. That's how that turned out. Uh, interestingly enough, um, a year and a half later, uh, the orphanage called my parents and was like, "He's got a little sister who also is giving up for adoption." So they were like, "Well, let's adopt her too." So like a year and a half later, they adopted my little sister. So now, like, so we grew up together. Dude, that's unbelievable. Yeah. So, Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. That's crazy. What yeah, it's kind of a cool story? story. That's a great story, man. I mean, uh, I mean, it's a it's an immigrant story, really. Oh yeah, I'm my uh, what are they? Um, first generation. Yeah. Right. That's right. I guess. But, That's awesome. And what generation is that that you're a part? Well, of? okay. So I was born in '84. Okay. And I feel so. Tell me if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure '84 is like the the deadline or the um, you know it's. I was the first millennial, right? Yeah. I'm, pretty I'm like sure the right. first millennial. Nice. I'm pretty sure I was the first millennial too. I'm pretty sure I pioneered <laughs> it for everybody else. Because uh, nice. looking back at my childhood, I was like, oh yeah, yeah, you were definitely a millennial before millennials. Yeah. But yeah, I think I was the very first one. Nice, dude. Yeah, 1984. That's yeah. That's actually a significant year to be born in our nation's right? history. Yeah. Oh. That's awesome. Uh, how old were you when you first started consuming cannabis? When I first started, I was um, somewhere between 12 and 14, um, but probably leaning closer to 12. Uh, yeah, I got peer pressured, not gonna lie. Uh, interestingly enough, I got peer pressured through reverse psychology. Um, the group that, so I, I did it like right across the street from my house. Yeah. Um, and I live in like a lake town. So usually we just go swimming, you know, and whatnot. So I was going swimming in the pond that was across the street. Um, and I was hanging out with the same people, right? The town people and whatnot, the kids in town. And, um, I got peer pressured because, you know, my last name sort of had this um, connotation to it that... I might have been a goody two shoes, and I and I might have been a straight edge person, because just from the rest of my family is known as just you know, not straight edge, but just not getting in trouble or anything like that, and and so everybody thought I was straight edge just because of my last name, and they were like, "There's no way he smokes weed," and I was like, "Give me that bowl." <laughs> yeah. And it was so funny because right after I I had smoked, I got busted from my parents because. I, I, the thing was back then, nobody told you what pot did. No. Nobody told you what being high meant. Mm-hmm. And being high was this, like you could get high on weed, you could get high on cocaine, you could get high on heroin, any yeah. drug made you high, right? Sure. And even when you're drinking alcohol, you get this buzz, right? You get a little high buzz before you get drunk. So everything has like this high connotation to it. Right. But nobody so told you what high meant. Sure, sure. So I was like, sure, I'll get high, whatever. Had no idea what that meant. Right. And uh, <laughs> I got busted for it right after. <laughs> I was so young that my mom was like, she was like, you know, they call it dope because it makes you dumb. It makes you dope. And I was like, mom, I wasn't smoking dope. I was smoking pot. <laughs> and she was like, 
it's the same thing. I'm like, no, it isn't, Mom. Weed and pot are different. Yeah. And I was, I knew it all, you know, and it's Shit. just how little I knew about it back then. Uh, it was incredible. Well, that's your, uh, you know, dare education <laughs> at work there. That was a f- miserable failure back in the day. But uh, I, I too was very, very young when I started. That same age, actually. I was, I too was peer pressured. So it's like totally connecting with your story, but, uh, mine was actually my older brother. Really? (laughs) He didn't want to get busted. So he's like, you got, you got to get high. (laughs) Right. So the, his logic was that if I got high, I wouldn't rat on him. But obviously, uh, my mom she she used to say like Michael, your eyes look like roadmaps. Have you been smoking? Because <laughs> I like they'd obviously be bloodshot, but yeah, it was pretty obvious at first. But that's that's definitely way too young, you know. It's yeah, it's um, but crazy. That's that's what happens when you know you're uh, you're not well educated. That's I was about to say. Culture. It's all it's all about education, right? Yeah. And if I had known exactly what was going to happen, I might have waited. Yeah. Right. What that really meant. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. And uh, so your parents, how, it seems like they, don't really, they didn't really have a very positive connotation with, with cannabis. Is that still the case? Or? Well, I mean, this was back in, what, 97, 98, yeah. right? Yeah. I mean, cannabis... The whole industry, everything about cannabis had a huge stigma to it. Oh, definitely. You know, and, and when it comes to my parents, and not only did it have a huge stigma to it, but at, we had no information, mm-hmm. which just adds to the stigma. Sure. So not only, you know, did my, it's not like my parents looked into cannabis because they just learned about it from the news and the right. news said it was bad and it was a drug and it was a, Dope. it was the gateway drug, right? It was yeah. the, it was the worst one because it's the one that leads to everything else. Mm-hmm. And so they were just being good parents. They were highly concerned about my age. Right. You know, I mean. As they should have been. As they, right. So I think a lot of it had to do with my age, the lack of education, and, and the stigma that was put on. Um, I bet, and, and I think they would have treated me exactly the same, but if I had drank a beer, I think that they would have treated it slightly different. I mean, I would have still been grounded. You know, I would have gotten the same uh, grounding and everything and punishment or whatnot. But they would have been a little bit more at ease knowing a lot more about alcohol than they knew about cannabis. Sure. So, no. So, yeah. So, they were very against it when I was young. But, I mean, any good parent would be. I would be if I had a child, you know. And nowadays, like, I'm, I'm just asking about this because it's fascinating to me because, like... The story. Of my, I keep going over the story about my grandmother, but I can't believe that we went from her blaming like the culture's problems on marijuana or you know cannabis to consuming Rick Simpson oil every day of her life. So how did we make that transition? So it's fascinating to me uh, to to understand people's how they've transitioned from not agreeing with it to seeing yeah oh it may have some medical benefit or it oh yeah it can be a good thing to, for people yeah. yeah it's such an interesting um sort of system in the way this is involved that i've always sort of looked at and thought we really reverse engineered cannabis 
So, okay, we call it medication, right? Mm -hmm. um, and it, because it has medicinal properties. Um, that's why it is, um, people think that it can be medicine. Um, okay, so take traditional medicine. You go to a doctor. That doctor has gone to school for, you know, seven years, you know, right? They got their doctorate. They have to take tests every year and continue to stay sharp. Uh, there's a thing called malpractice, um, you know. So those are the people that prescribe, prescribe, right, you medicine. You go in, you get a physical, you get checked out. Then some person writes, you know, your prescription. And then you go to a pharmacy that just reads it and supplies it to you, right? They don't do anything with, you need to take this, you need, don't listen to your doctor, right? right. <laughs> do listen to your doctor, nothing, right? They just get it ready and they give it to you. And then not only that, but the doctor tells you exactly how to take it and when to take it and how much of it to take, right? And they're regulating and controlling your intake, sure. uh, or at least they're trying to. Um, obviously, people can abuse that. But, you know, that's, that's that system. Now we have cannabis where you go to a doctor who gives you a certification, not a prescription, right. just certifies you to procure cannabis. Then you go to any number of dispensaries. And I don't know, I don't know what that doctor or physical is, um, assistant, physician's assistant, I'm sorry, did to have to get uh, the license to be able to prescribe, uh, not prescribe, I'm sorry, certify um, marijuana patients. Uh, but then you go to, you get the certification, then you go to any one of these shops, all these shops are at different levels, okay? All these bud tenders are at different levels of knowledge. And then you, as a patient, now have to navigate through this world of cannabis by yourself, trying to take all this different knowledge and we're in the world of fake news right now so we know it's not all you know positive we know it's not all medically driven so now you're out there by yourself you, you have to go talk to one of many bud tenders that bud tender may be educated may not be educated all they can tell you is this may help with this this may help with that but i can't actually tell you if it's going to happen to you because cannabis treats everybody differently Sure. And then you have to go home and do this self-medication thing. Um, and so, yeah, I'm sure your grandmother, you know, once she got the education, once she got to experience it, and once she figured out something that worked for her, because it's a whole process of self-diagnosis to get there, now feels totally different about cannabis. Yeah. But maybe it's because the entire industry has been reverse engineered to basically throw the patient out into the world and say figure it out on your own versus the way we treat modern medicine which is we're gonna hold your hand and walk you through this right and don't get me wrong i also have my uh negative connotations to modern medicine but that's a, that, sure. that may be a different argument <laughs> different conversation right <laughs> yeah um it that those are all great points and and it is very confusing for I, it's been very helpful i think i guess to to and i didn't think about this fact obviously till just a second ago but she's got a caregiver the you know access to a caregiver all the time if she wants it so 
I'm able to answer those questions for her. And so, yeah, that's, I guess, probably been very helpful for her in terms of shaping her understanding of, of what, it's, what it's doing. So maybe that's, that's been helpful, but yeah, those are great points. And what about, uh, like, what do, you, what do you do for a living in the cannabis industry? You, you're obviously involved. Yeah, so uh, I started in the cannabis industry um, back in May of 2019. Um, and I literally, I was in a job that I really hated. And I got another job where the people were nicer, but I didn't make any money. And I wasn't very passionate about it, but the people were really nice. Um, but that <laughs> allowed me, yeah, that That's allowed cool. me to start job hunting and keep some of my sanity. Yeah. Um, killed me financially but keep some of my sanity and in and I and I took like big steps I went and got my resume fixed and I paid for it and everything and yeah. so I took all the big steps and then I just went out and I searched for every single job I applied to absolutely everything and I wanted to stop selling myself short so one big thing I was doing was saying oh I couldn't get that job or I couldn't get that job and then I was like hey, you are constantly in jobs you don't like. Why don't we just try everything? What can you, you have nothing to lose. Right. So I would go, so every single night, I had this polished resume, like I said. So every single night I would go on Indeed and I would just click apply, 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 apply. And all Indeed does is just send out your resume. Sure. And I like paid for Indeed too, like the $60 yeah. or whatever. Oh, wow. And it was just sending out my resume to everybody. And wasn't very effective at all. <laughs> so just yeah. to let you know, it wasn't super effective for me. <laughs> um, I didn't get a ton of phone calls or anything like that, but I did get one phone call and that was from the Wellness Connection. And it, what was interesting was, uh, I, like I said, I wanted to get a new job. I knew I needed to get a new job. And the big thing that I knew was I needed a pee clean right mm -hmm. i could not have cannabis in my system gotcha. because all the big jobs want to make sure you pee they clean his test you right oh. and i'm like well the only thing that i could possibly fail a piss test for is cannabis right because mm -hmm. i don't use any other drugs and i was like shoot so now i have to quit for 30 days while i apply and so i did that and you know that's a tough 30 days it's a, <laughs> <Right. laughs> you're just that's dying to awful. get that job pass that drug test so that you can immediately start using cannabis again. Right. And so I, uh, I stopped smoking weed and two weeks later I got a phone call from the wellness connection. That's like, Hey, do you want to start selling weed for us? And I was like, Oh, I just quit yesterday. I guess I quit. Right. I was I like, I, I get, yeah, I, that, that's yes. I want to do that. Sure. So, uh, I apparently I had applied for a wholesale position. Now, um, it kind of goes back to what I was doing beforehand. I was in the wholesale t-shirt world and I was working for a screen printing company. I was running their procurement department, uh, which means I was buying in wholesale t-shirts. We were printing on them and then we sent them to the customer. So the wellness connection looked at my resume and said, oh, he's already done wholesale for five years. Why don't we make him our wholesaler? So I thought I was gonna be buying weed and I was like, oh my God, I'm gonna do quality control. And like, I'm gonna to have to like, I'm gonna be going around and buying weed yeah. from every, I'm gonna be Mr. Cool, right? Yeah. Because I'm the one with all the money and I'm gonna be buying all this cannabis <laughs> and like, you're gonna to have to impress me with your, with yeah. your cannabis. And I was like, 
this job is right up my alley. Love it. Love it. Jazzed. Yeah. And so I'm talking to this woman on the phone, and I'm like, this is going to be a great job. And she stopped me, and she was just like, just to let you know, that's not what you're doing at all. She was like, we need somebody to sell our weed. We want a wholesaler to do outside sales. And I was like, oh, that's the same world, but different. And she's like, yeah, we just thought you didn't one side of procurement and now you, mm-hmm. you're flip-flopping to the other side, but still kind of in the same department. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, let's just do it. Let's get our foot in the door. You're right. I know what it's like to be the customer. Now I'm going to be the salesman. Um, and so I started working for the Wellness Connection as their wholesale manager, which so wholesale in Maine got started um, or was allowed um, in the end of 2018 in December when that law passed. So the Wellness Connection was just getting into wholesale. A lot of people in the industry were just getting into wholesale. So the Wellness Connection had no idea how we were going to do this, what we were, what our partners were going to need. Um, if you don't know the main cannabis industry, it's comprised of a few bigger conglomerate cannabis companies wellness connection being the biggest and then like 200 and almost 250 caregiver shops they call them um but basically just storefronts uh which sell all the same products so yes they have a different title and they do follow different rules but when it comes to the customer the customer can't tell half the time you know, because they're selling the same products, they're going through the same practices. Um, but we're talking small business and big business, and here I am working for corporate and working for big business. And corporate was looking at me saying, "Well, we what we need to figure out is what does small business need? Where are the problems that they're going to have? Is it going to be stock? Is it going to be marketing? Is it going to be uh, sales and promotion? Is it going to be branding? Is it going to be packaging?" what is it? Is it going to be labor? Um, like what are these problems that they're going to need? And we'll just be there to solve problems. And in the interim, we'll be making sales because that's just how it works. If they need inventory, then that's how we make a sale. And that's how Taj, you're going to get paid is, uh, you're going to be making sales throughout helping people solve problems. So when I got into the company, we had, it was a blank slate. It was a total blank slate. It was such a blank slate, I was terrified. Because I was like, uh, you guys know I've never sold anything in my life before, really. I've, I've worked in retail, but not outside sales before. But I didn't say anything. I just, you know, put the horns down and charged forward and jumped off the cliff and built my wings on the way down. And uh, I guess that's what everybody does in cannabis, right? Mm-hmm. We, this industry is a baby. It's, it's a baby. In, yeah, yeah. It's in its infancy. And we're all trying to figure out what it is. We don't even know what it's going to become. Yeah. And being in Maine and being from Maine, I know that Maine cannabis is separate from the cannabis industry in different states, especially from the West Coast. I mean, there's, there's a huge amount of pride and a huge amount of passion in the industry in Maine. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, you're looking at a state that, you know, most of the youth moves out of Maine for more opportunity, more financial stability. It's hard to keep our youth here. And the, it's because of the economy. And the economy is built around uh, small industries 
or, or it's, not, it's not small, but a few industries only, right? You have the lobster mm-hmm. industry, you've got the craft beer industry now, you got the blueberry and potato industry, right? Tourism. Tourism, um, you know, food, restaurants, yeah. yeah. Um, and so, and then here comes cannabis, which is a cash crop, literally. Yeah. And manners are going, this could stimulate our economy and keep people in Maine. So it's got both. It's, it's both a new industry and... And um, this thing that was federally, still federally illegal, is now legal in the state of Maine. So all of us closet stoners can come out now and we can be proud of who we are and, yeah. and, and proud of, of the knowledge that we have. I know 20 years of, of knowledge in the cannabis industry from the black market that I can't share with anybody. Right. 20 years of information that I can't tell anybody. Um, yeah. I mean, my nickname alone uh, is Taj. It's not my real name. My real name is Aaron Sanders. Yeah. I got the name Taj because back in college when I was illegally selling weed, I had to go by a different name <laughs> because I didn't want to be known right. as Aaron Sanders, the weed dealer. Right. So all these people are coming out of the closet <laughs> with all their information in this industry yeah. and uh, they're proud and they're passionate of what they got. So how the heck is corporate cannabis going to help these people out. I tell you, Mike, it has been a wild ride and a wild yeah. seven months that I've been I bet. Just yeah. wild. I've seen everything. Mm-hmm. And Tell me about it. I've seen... I, I don't know if you're going to prompt another question <laughs> no, or if I'm just going to keep go, talking. All right. Go, let's hear it. Man. So, I mean, I've seen everything from... I, I, I have, I have uh, customers who... Or, or not customers, but partners who... I, I have a woman who bought a she shack right a she shed yeah and she put it in her front yard and she has this amazing uh caregiver shop i have out seen of people a she shed. Out, of, out of a she shed sweet all right on her front yard you know awesome. and, and, and took illegal <laughs> cannabis that they yeah. had been doing for years and yeah. made it legal and and are taking care of her very very small town she's the only one in that town they're doing well for themselves. They're, pro- they're providing incredible medicine. Um, and it's so awesome how this husband and wife are putting this business together. They've got kids that are 18 and 19. And when they become 21, they're going to be able to work in the company. And now there's a, another company in the state that's going to that's gonna grow and blossom. And it's going to create jobs. And it's going to keep Mainers and Maine youth here in this beautiful state. Um, I- I've seen people with money have even worse uh, caregiver shops yeah. you know so money is not a money does not depict whether you're a good shop or not right yeah. um, it's your practices it's it's how you treat people it's how you treat your patients um, and it's all about intent really it's all about what you get into the industry for now don't get me wrong they're all businesses they have to make money that's the you know you, you need Got to it. it's how we pay our bills it's how we eat right um, so there's nothing wrong with making money, but the intent needs to come first. And if that intent starts at money, you can see it in spades, right? Um, in terms of what kind of products that you put out there. Mm-hmm. And like, for instance, is there a lot of harmful chemicals in your vape cartridges? You know, it's, it's really easy to put harmful chemicals in your vape cartridges because 
it's cheap, makes the, you're not providing as much medicine there anymore right. and you're cutting it. Cutting a corner. Right, you're mm-hmm. cutting a corner, using cutting agents, mm-hmm. and, and uh, so, but it's money driven. Yeah. Um, so look for those companies out there, like the Wellness Connection, that's using no cuts when you go buy your cannabis. Um, there's all these things called laws out there, right? <laughs> Uh, I'm what happy. Those? I'm happy you laughed about that because uh, yeah. if I've, I've I've found that nobody's enforcing these laws, that so is the case. What is a seems. law if nobody enforces it? Right? Mm-hmm. It's more of a, a guideline. guideline. <laughs> <laughs> that's exactly what it is. I forget what movie that's from. Yeah, but, it's more uh, of a guideline. Than yeah, a, yeah. That's the quote world. from the movie. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't. I forget what the movie well, is, but that's the quote from the movie. Well, they're more of guidelines. Yeah. Um, and so that's what these laws have turned into is guidelines and yeah. nobody's nobody's enforcing these things and even when inspectors I'm hearing from shops even when inspectors come in they're like yep yeah, yep yeah, cool whatever and and they're checking for like dust on your counter and then and that's it and you and you you get to stay open and and so with that being said you look at these companies and you go wait why would they be compliant right where's the incentive exactly Intent. Intent is the incentive, right? If they care about their patient, then they're going to do things properly. Now, with that being said, there might be some laws that don't make any sense, right? Uh, I just heard of a, here's an example. There's a new law um, where tobacco pipes, right? Um, which is what we call them, even though everybody smokes cannabis out of them and they've always smoked cannabis what? out of them. They're tobacco <laughs> pipes, you know? <laughs> so these, these tobacco pipes, well, Maine just passed a law that stated that um, you have to be 21 plus to buy tobacco. Yeah. Yet with a, with a guardian, you can go get a med card at the age of 18 and 19. Yeah. Yeah. So you can technically go buy cannabis but now you can't buy the bowl to smoke it out of. Right. So these laws, a lot of them don't make any sense. So half of them don't make sense. Half of the people can't understand them because they're poorly written. Uh, and I've personally contacted the state and the state's constantly like, uh, we're busy, we're busy, we're, we're getting to it, we're busy, we're getting to it, we're busy. And I'm thinking to myself, you have hundreds of shops out there that are providing people with products that they are putting into their bodies. Yeah. That you are not re- so while you're getting to it, yeah. People are out there experimenting, self-diagnosing. Companies are out there putting sh- product on their shelves, um, mm-hmm. and it's it's a scary, scary world. And what it's turned into that I've seen is I've seen this huge competition in between these caregiver shops, which I understand why the competition is there. Okay, go look at Wyndham. There's like 15 shops oh, yeah. in a one mile radius because it was zoned for that. Yeah. And everybody wants to get a crack at this, right? Everybody should get a crack at this. We live in America, mm-hmm. okay? So everybody should have a crack at, at, um, at creating their own business and living the American dream. Mm-hmm. So everybody's got a shop. They zoned all the shops next to each other. So of course everybody's competitive and everybody's fighting for the same um, customers but if you take that model and look at the craft beer industry they have breweries right next to each other and they love each other and they're all working together and they're all collaborating and if you go into any brewery they're full 
They're yeah. awful. They're all doing Hacks. great. Yeah. You know, even, yes, you've got your Bissell Brothers, which is just absolutely killing it in Portland. I don't care. You can go into any brewery right now, and they've got customers. They've got mm. people. They're doing great. Yeah. And even Sebago. Even Sebago. <laughs> you know? Everybody. Yeah. And I think if cannabis looks at the craft beer industry and models our collaboration around the craft beer industry, yeah. it would be so beneficial to everybody. Because what I really see is I see a ton of these small companies all doing the same thing, right? Everybody's got a chocolate bar. Everybody's got a gummy. Everybody's got a hard candy. Everybody's sure. got a pre-roll. Everybody. So... Everybody, and, and I'm telling you, Mike, these small businesses, man, everybody's working 70, 80 hours. You know, they, a lot of them don't have employees because they can't afford it. Mm-hmm. And, and everybody thinks that you start a cannabis company and you become rich and there's this whole green rush. Um, you know, it's just like the gold rush and yada, yada. And it's not the case, Mike, at all. No. And, you know, I just told you my story. I'm a blue collar guy. You know, I've got, I've got student loan debt from Orono. Okay, I'm not rich. I'm blue collar. So I signed up with corporate cannabis. And the way I look at it is these, these caregivers, these are my people. These are the people that like you, you, you are, you know, own your own delivery service, right? Mm-hmm. We consume cannabis way before we got in the industry, right? Sure. These are my people. So I'm really trying to solve the problems for my people because I want everybody to make it, but they need to make it. And they, but they need to follow my guidelines. And my guidelines are decrease the stigma, okay? That's, if you were going to be a cannabis shop that I like, you need to decrease the stigma, not increase the stigma. You need to have good products. The stigma of, of cannabis. Of cannabis, okay. and, and the fact that this is a drug and a gateway drug. It, and that's just practices, Mike. I mean, I go into some shops and everybody's da- – like the owners are sitting there dabbing. Mm-hmm. And, and, and everybody's just sitting there smoking and they're sitting around passing the joint to the customer and just smoking in their shop and I'm like is this a professional business mm. this person has to get in a car right after this and drive away right. and you know so. that yeah. you know what I mean are you responsible are you taking accountability for how you're treating people and so I want everybody to survive but if we don't decrease the stigma together by having really good practices, mm. then we're always going to be under that stigma. And we're always going to be looked at like, oh, this is a drug. No, it's not a drug. Yes, it's a drug. Yes, it's medicine. No, it's not medicine. And if you were a customer who went into a shop thinking that it was medicine and everybody's token bongs and doing <laughs> dabs and, and uh, can't formulate a sentence because they're too high And they can't tell you what's in their cannabis because they don't test it because they have no test results that they get from their growers or anything, which that's a total another massive problem in the state. And it's in fact, it's not even the caregiver's fault. No, it has to do with the fact that there's not enough labs and it's expensive. Yeah, very expensive. How can you how can you every batch? Right. Tell me every batch, you know, and it's expensive. It's like. Uh, one of my customers was like $240 and she's yeah. got a every single sample, yeah. right? And it's like, how can she afford that? Mm-hmm. How can she afford all these taxes? And of course, that's why we legalized it, right? So that we can tax it and we can make all this money. Okay, tax it. Make the money. Make the tourists pay for that. Make the customer pay for that, okay? Don't charge the caregiver company all these fees and all when they want to do it right, when they want to do it correctly. You know, make testing mandatory. Make it free. Yeah. You know, and, 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 and turn it into a, you know, almost a philanthropy, almost a nonprofit, have those testing facilities. I mean, so that 
Well, there are industries like, for example, like the concrete industry. Mm -hmm. They have like, in order to participate in that, a certain uh, portion of your your income, business income, has to go to this organization that um, does that, like R&D and testing of things. So yeah, that would make sense that there, that would be a really great idea, honestly, to have like a an industry, um, you know, group that facilitates that and like... Yeah, if testing were free, yeah. I mean, that's it is cost prohibitive for most companies and most caregivers, and they don't. I mean, it, nobody's enforcing it because there haven't been any facilities, but that's all changing. So, yeah, I mean, it's it's going to be a difficult thing to have all these, you know, all these stores and caregiver shops like you're talking about, and all these caregiver arrangements going on. Uh, getting them to to now learn how to operate in a world that's regulated and that's that's a difficult prospect to 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 expect all these people to be able to do that so yeah i mean uh if you guys uh it are it you kind of mentioned like you you guys are trying to offer services outside of just wholesaling to people are there services that like I noticed too that you're like doing brand partnerships and stuff toward that end. Like, what are you guys doing? I guess that's so that's working toward those goals. So, it's interesting. It's it's kind of it all started with uh, back in last summer when I started. I went to 200 shops by myself and checked them out, and it was a nightmare, Mike. I mean, a lot of people don't like me. Uh, and I had to put my personal phone number and name and email and everything on a business card and pass it out to all these companies. And it's taken me seven months um, to get my customer base right now and to destigmatize myself mm -hmm. um, because a lot of people thought that I was going to go in there and I was going to take over their company and I was going to. Uh, it, it, they're going to do business with me and then the business was going to go south and then we were going to sue them and put them out of business and that's really the reason why we're trying to do this and or, or I've heard stories about how we're trying to buy up all the cannabis so nobody else can have any or I've heard all these stories about how we're these blood-sucking vampires and, and whatnot and so I ended up after a lot of I mean I've had death threats Mike I've had uh, literally violent things happen to me in caregiver shops I mean where people will huck I had one guy just huck all of his product on his counter at me as he was like throwing me out the door and just like tore up his entire counter and hucking it at me and throwing objects at me and yes. yeah so like I said I've seen everything and uh, but I did find people that were willing to listen and the people that were willing to listen and actually sit down and have the conversation will the wellness connection Every single one of them that sat down and had the conversation left the conversation thinking that's not bad or I'm actually doing the same thing that they're doing. Mm -hmm. And so I've got this list and it's taken me a while to get it. And every single day we're building more and more people. Um, and, and those, I'll call them haters, right? Because in every industry you have haters. So those haters are starting to get fewer and far between. Yeah. And people are starting to have the conversation and starting to realize, wait a minute, if I, the wellness connection might be able to benefit me outside of products, like, mm -hmm. you know, and so what I've done is 
like I said, I got a bleeding heart for these small businesses. And every time that they come up to me and they, they have a problem, you know, I got a single tear for them. And I'm like, I'm going to solve this. I'm going to solve it for you. And we're going to figure this out together. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I kind of have been treating everybody slightly different. Um, and I've been filling the gaps of what people need. So uh, I've got one company. Uh, here's a little plug for you. But we... Uh, we relocated Bath, our Bath dispensary, and we just moved it to South Portland because Bath zoned us out for adult use. Literally zoned us across the street, Mike, so we'd have to pick up the entire operation and move, move it, across it across the street, the street. right? Because that makes all the sense in the world. Um, but I'm not, gonna, I'm not making disparaging remarks about Bath. <laughs> I'm just saying that's what happened. Yeah. And so we just picked it up and said, you know what? We're going to move it to South Portland. South Portland opted in. You know, so we were just like, okay, South Portland's down. Let's let's go down to South Portland. I found, um, but we had all these patients. We had like two thousand, almost three thousand patients in Bath alone in Brunswick area. So I vetted multiple companies, and in vetting multiple companies, we found a place called Northern Bell, which you want to check them out. Northern Bell Holistics, great, great company. Go talk to Jake. Go talk to Emily. Go talk to Rob. Um, talk to John. And um, they're wonderful people. They're educated people, which is the reason why I vet them. They have clean cannabis, which is the reason why I vet them. They also, on the up and up, um, they, they got their paperwork. Um, they cross their T's and they dot their I's. And so what I'm doing for these guys is we marketed all of our bath people to Northern Bell. Well, Northern Bell went crazy. They were like, holy cow, you just guys gave us a ton of customers. Mm-hmm. And then they created this thing called Wellness Wednesday, where you can go into the bath store on Wednesdays and any wellness connection product that you buy, you can get 10% off. Nice. They're the only people that I'm doing that for because that was the setup that we did with them. Like They're our marketing sort of guinea pigs, if you will. Sure. Once we create that with them, then we're going to offer that to all of our other wholesalers. Now I've got... Uh, other companies out there that don't have a grow, Mike. They got a they got a store. And they don't have a grow. I sold them thirty pounds. Sold them twenty pounds, ten pounds at a time. I put it on a net thirty for them so that they could sell some of that weed before they have to pay it back. Some of these companies have struggled in those payments, and we've worked with them. We didn't go sue them. We didn't go send them to collections. We worked with them, and and in working with them, they took all the profit that they made off of our cannabis and they built an entire grow. Guess what? They're not wholesaling 30 pounds anymore because they have their own grow now. I've got customers that um, are compliant, you know, just want to just want to know about compliance because like I said, the laws aren't written very well. So they want to pick our brain and go, what is tamper proof packaging? What is child proof packaging? What, you know, and they want to know what our grow practice is. What, what pesticides fall under the pesticides that you're allowed to use and which ones are you not allowed to use? And um, so it's doing consultation, really. it's, it's consultation in a suggested form. So it's yeah. like, we're not telling you what to do. We're telling you what we do what works for you. And if you want to copy it, copy it. If you don't want to copy it, don't copy it, but we're not going to tell any company what, what they need to do and what they shouldn't do. Um, we're just going to, may helps with right it's what we do in the cannabis industry may helps with (laughs) you want your packaging uh compliant well you might want to do this it may help with your packaging or if you want marketing um now 
we have a uh, we're having a wholesale uh, expo. Uh, we're, we're we're thinking about April of doing this wholesale expo, and this wholesale expo is actually a private party that you can um, contact me if you want to be in in this uh, private party. But the reason why we're having it a private party is because Mike, these are the thirty companies that had the conversation with the Wellness Connection and are supporting us and we're supporting them and we know that they're good companies to work with. Mm-hmm. So what's what's gonna be at the Wholesale Expo is not only us and what we can offer our companies, but we're allowing every other company to have their own booth and to sell to each other, knowing that any company that shows up to this has been pre-vetted by the Wellness Connection. So mm-hmm. all these other companies are like, oh, well, if you guys do business with them, they must be on the up and up, so right. we should do business with them. So sure. after this event in April, yeah. I think all these companies are not only going to be working with us, well, they already work with us, but they're gonna be working with each other, sure. and that's because we have the money to buy the venue, to buy the food, to buy the DJ, to buy the 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 uh, brewery that's coming to support it, to, we have the funds, and now we're using that funds, and we're spreading the love with that. and. The last point I'll make is that this is the beginning, right? We don't know what we're doing uh, next month, next year. Everything's changing so rapidly. We've been big into taking people's ideas. We got one customer in Lewiston. Hey, I want savory items. Everything's got sugar in it, Mike. What about all the diabetics, you know? So we came up with an entire line of savory items that they could wholesale because they just want to take care of their patients in that regard. Yeah. So people are giving us ideas. We're taking those ideas. We're working with them. We're trying different things with different companies and seeing what works. And then once we get it into a workable turnkey package, we're then turning around and offering it to everybody else. Mm-hmm. Um, we did promos for people around Christmas time um, and helping them. We, we do sponsorships. Um, my my guys are already interested in maybe sponsoring the um, uh, MCPI uh, oh, that you know that you event. started and the event. I I literally talked to them about it two hours ago, Sweet. and without hesitation, they were like, and I didn't ask them anything about sponsorship or anything, and they were like, oh yeah, that would be probably something we would definitely sponsor. And I was like, oh really? It was that easy? <laughs> they were like, yeah, yeah, of course we would. That's awesome. And I was like awesome people need to hear that like so um that you know those are the avenues that we're looking at and we're always we're always changing we're always trying to get better and grow well those are great qualities for a company to have for sure um when you're when you're not you know grinding it out on the daily for the wellness getting things thrown at you at caregiver shops (laughs) what do you do to unwind from a day like that (laughs) uh (laughs) <laughs> well, you know, it's interesting, Mike, is that I finally found an industry and like I'm very passionate about cannabis. So yeah. one thing I do is I volunteer for you. Yeah. Um, You're on I the also, committee. I'm on the committee. I'm on another committee right now. We're putting together something called the Nug Run, which is nice. going to be uh, August 29th in Portland. It's a 4.2 mile run. Um, and basically the idea behind it is that stoners are not lazy Right. people they do other things too they're motivated people yeah and so we're literally hosting uh you know not a, well it's 4.2 miles it's yeah. a little more than a 5k but um where'd, yeah. they, where'd they come up with the number 
I know. Where did the four point two miles is? Uh, it's tricky. Is but, that four point two zero? Yeah. <laughs> so, so I'm just I'm volunteering in these different committees because I am so immersed in this yeah. industry. I like wake up. It's cannabis. I go to sleep. It's cannabis, and all through the day, it's cannabis. So I do really. I am passionate about having conversations and constantly talking to people. Um, with that being said, I play music. I play the guitar. Um, and I'm also in the summertime I love sailing I'm a big sailor um, nice. and so that's kind of how I wind down is I get out in the ocean where there's no people <laughs> that is literally my escape is just awesome. sailing away um, and just being out there in total isolation I mean obviously I got a skipper with me and, and some friends yeah. I'm not there completely by myself but um, uh, and you'll have to come out this summer with us um, definitely but sailing is really fun, and I like. Uh, I don't own a boat or anything. I'm not rich or anything, but um, <laughs> but I uh, I get to go out. Um, there's programs in Portland, and sail, sail Maine and stuff like that that you can rent boats and from whatnot. But yeah, so I play music, I do sailing, and I'm just really, really immersed in cannabis, and it's my hobby and my work. Nice, dude. That's exactly how I feel about it too, man. I, there's not a day that goes by that I'm not grateful to be in this industry. Finally. Finally, right? Finally, there's a, there's, it's, yeah, it's a very good feeling. Well, uh, for folks, if they want to get a hold of you, you know, learn more about the services that you guys provide, how do they do that? What's your email? What's your... Yeah, so, um, so once again, I'm Taj, or Aaron Sanders. Um, I'm the Wholesale Business Development Manager trying to get them to short that, short that title a little bit it's a little long <laughs> um, but yeah I am the only I am the only one in the company I run the whole department uh, my number is uh, area code 412-609-4734 um, call me text me probably call me um, first uh, and uh, let's talk uh, you know my email is Taj that's T-A-J um taj at mainwellness.org you know send me an email and um you know let's talk actually i got into uh cannabis before the wellness connection i had an instagram um so my instagram is modern kush life um so if you see modern kush life on instagram that's me uh and that was all way before i got in the industry my whole big thing was like this is not our parents pot Right, yeah. this whole stuff is—it's different now. Kush, you know, cannabis is way different. Way different. So modern Kush is way different from your parents' pot. And so my Instagram is all about sort of discovering uh, what it is now. So that's my other plug. Nice, and uh, that must have been an early grab. Like I, don't, I doubt. I bet a lot of people try to get modern Kush life as a. <laughs> so <laughs> I got I got the domain I got yeah. the I oh, got the sweet. whole thing I, I was really big into it uh, I got the seal I, I went out you know I got my, I got a logo and everything no 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 I got yeah I got I ended up being able to just buy everything it wasn't out there uh, yeah and and so my big thing yeah. uh, and that big thing with Modern Kush too was the cannabis has always been looked at as, as like this dirty hippie um, it's got this dirty hippie connotation to it. Right, and I I've hated that because I'm there's nothing dirty about me. I'm way too OCD to be <laughs> dirty at all, and yeah. I don't. I, I think of cannabis as a luxury. 
Yeah. Um, I think of if you can have Don Perignon, right? If you can have if you can have Grey Goose, and if you can have Patron, then you can have the Patron of cannabis, and you can have yeah. the Grey Goose of cannabis. And it's not just about dive bars, sure. right? And these these caregiver shops, they're not all diving. Some of them are beautiful, beautiful places. Um, and I and I encourage everybody to check out multiple ones. Always good to support your local. Uh, person and always 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 stay loyal to them because they do need you but um i'm trying to bring back the luxury and and the uh just the i just want to clean and i and i just want to bring a more clean connotation to cannabis sure. than than this all this dirty so that's why i use the word modern because everything in modern is uh or uh there's an app that always tries to sell me things called uh, touch of modern and uh, it's, all, it's all these weird, like, home good things, but they're all, like, artsy and shaped. Like, it, it looks like, a, you know, Brookstones, like the store. Oh, like, sure. It's like a Brookstones, but it's... it's like a, a digital Brookstones. It's like a digital Brookstones. And I was like... But, they're, you know, Brookstones has got that clean, like, you know, everything. It's just that nice professional look to it. Sure. And I was like, modern kush. It's, I want professional, beautiful, clean, adult medicine. I can appreciate that. Yeah, nice. I'm, I'm a little. I'm a little passionate. If you I, haven't, if you haven't, <laughs> I like... can tell, man. <laughs> <laughs> nice, dude. Uh, well, Taj, thank you so much for being on the show. Uh, I'd like to have you on again at some point uh, if you're willing. Um, and again, if you guys, uh, if your business is, uh, you know, you're having a hard time keeping up with demand. Uh, Wellness has some supply, so we have like 150 SKUs. So right. talk to us, right? So uh, there, that is. Yeah, right, well, I'd like to thank you for being on the show. Yeah. I also like to thank you for putting a show together yeah. and helping us all normalize this. Uh, it's shows like this, and it's listeners out there like you guys that are going to get us to where we want to all be. Nice. So thank you, and I would absolutely love to be back on the show. Awesome, thanks, man. You got it. All right, it's a good one. We like to close out the show with a summary of what we've been able to learn from our guests. Taj's story teaches us that everyone's journey starts somewhere. While his started in India and landed him here in Maine as a three-year-old boy, his 32 years here since prove at least to me he's a native son in the eyes of any true Mainer. His story teaches us too that having a loving family around you, supporting you, can allow you to grow and blossom into a successful person in spite of a tumultuous beginning. We have learned from Taj that being true to yourself is an important way to find out where you fit in in this world as it relates to both your work and personal life. Thank you, Taj, for being a guest on our show. Taj hinted at a fundraising event for MCPI during the course of the show, so I thought I'd share a little bit about it. As, you, as some of you know, MCPI is a L3C corporation. We are not tax-exempt, but we are able to accept tax-deductible charitable donations from businesses and individuals. To that end, we were going to be throwing a fundraising event on August 8th of 2020 with more details to come. We will be auctioning off valuable items such as paintings and a custom guitar, providing rock music, food, med certifications, product samplings, and, and much more the proceeds of which will be used to sponsor the cost of care for a patient in recovery from opioid addiction using plant medicine. 
If you'd like to donate to MCPI's efforts, go to patreon.com forward slash MCPI underscore Greenspeak. Again, that's patreon.com forward slash MCPI underscore Greenspeak, or go to anchor.fm forward slash MCPI. Again, that's anchor.fm forward slash MCPI, and donate through our Anchor account directly. If you'd like to be considered for a guest appearance on the show, please contact Mike at michael.mcpil3c at gmail.com. Again, that's michael.mcpil3c at gmail.com. And have a great main day, people.